Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing podcast. Coming at you live from Pierre, South Dakota, where my boots are wet, my pants are wet, and my legs are tired because we have spent the last day and a half chasing prairie grouse, sharp-tailed grouse, and greater prairie chickens up and down the hillsides of the Fort Pierre grasslands. 116,000 acres owned by you, me, and everybody else in South Dakota and beyond. 116,000 acres of public land uh, that has pheasants, sharp tails, prairie chickens, antelope, mule deer, and today it had a few people around too, including the three folks that are joining me today. Marilyn Vetter from Wisconsin, who is also on the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever National Board of Directors. Clyde Vetter, related to Marilyn, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, owner of Sharpshooters Kennels, a uh, German short air breeder mm-hmm. from New Richmond, Wisconsin. And Matt Kaharski, uh, also on the National Board of Directors of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, the vice chair correct? Yes, vice chair. Vice chair, and Marilyn is the uh, chair of the strategic planning committee. Right. And uh, you're both my bosses for the day. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how this goes. (laughs) Send your comments to. (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll talk about that. We won't talk about my shooting today, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we will talk about your shooting today. We will. (laughs) I I was trying to take the air out of that balloon right (laughs) right up front. Uh, But but we've spent the last uh, day and a half chasing sharp tails, uh, prairie chickens across across those lands and and for the most part we've been finding them we have um been chasing them some (laughs) they've been a little jumpy so well so clyde and Marilyn, you guys have been coming to pier for a long time yep How, how many years well we we've actually uh came here quite a bit about 18 years ago and then we we took a little break because we were spending a lot of the time in north dakota and it actually always coincided with our uh, NAVD Invitational hmm. to where we were either running dogs or judging dogs. And so it seems like we were always preparing dogs prior to that. And so we, we took a little break from coming out here. But the last several years now, we've been hitting it hard again and just really enjoy it out here. It's just unbelievable country. And you guys, uh, you grew up in North Dakota, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So t- tell us a little, we'll start with Marilyn. Tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up and how you ended up on the National Board of Directors? So I, well, we both grew up near Harvey, North Dakota. I grew up on a cattle ranch, mm. a small grain farm, about 16 miles from town, farm kid. And uh, we ended up actually together because we ended up riding the same school bus mm-hmm. together my last year of high school. That was how we met. I don't know how we didn't meet. It wasn't like it was a very big yeah. school. There was <laughs> 200 kids in, town in school, so it wasn't like a, we got lost in the hallways. And... Um, Gosh, from there, you know, I we lived in Illinois for three years. Um, first, I guess we lived in Bismarck for a while after I graduated from college. And then uh, we moved back to New Richmond, Wisconsin, 23 years ago. And um, we've been bird hunters the whole time. I, you know, I grew up in a hunting family, mm-hmm. but they were mostly deer hunters. Okay. Uh, I guess we grew, uh, we hunted stuff that was big enough to really feed the family uh, more so than anything. 
And my brothers were waterfall hunters, some, but not necessarily sharp tail or pheasants. And um, they took me along once, mm-hmm. only once, because <laughs> they said I talked too much. <laughs> 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 so after that, my only experience with hunting until I met Clyde was uh, I used to clean their game, which was uh-huh. not necessarily the most fun part of, of hunting. And then when um, I met Clyde, because he was a very avid hunter, uh, we went the first couple of years without dogs. And I didn't really love it, honestly, mm-hmm. because it was really, really hard work without dogs. Mm-hmm. And once we got a dog, it was all over after that. And then we've had a lot since then. I had a lot of hunting dogs when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I started trapping. How I got into all of my brother, uh, Randy, my oldest brother, um, he would actually carry me on his shoulders and take him, take me trapping. And so I was trapping with him when I was six years old. And uh, once he stopped the trap line, I started taking over the trap line. And uh, he was also an avid waterfall hunter. And so we did a lot of waterfall hunting. So I had water spaniels, mm. uh, a couple of labs, and Springer spaniels when I was a kid. And then once we, Marilyn was going to college, um, you know, it just wasn't practical to have a dog. And that's why we had went a couple of years without one. And... Um, once we got settled into Bismarck, North Dakota, that's when we said, okay, it's time. And uh, we looked at labs and looked at labs again, and it was like... We even just, had one for four days. <laughs> and like four days? Four days. <laughs> this, this, this ain't... Uh, we're, we're both kind of type A people, or, or yeah, I'm probably more so, but uh, that's when we, we jumped into the short hairs. Uh, we got our first one from Matt Earhart out of uh, Bismarck, and uh, our second one then from Jim Reeser. Um, which was shooting stars kennel and hmm. and uh you, know. you actually forgot the very first one mandy oh yeah mandy yeah <laughs> our very first one was a hundred dollar yep. puppy out of the yeah. newspaper hmm. yep. <laughs> she was a pretty awesome little dog <laughs> and so that was our start and uh you know that was back in 1990 and you know we just we haven't looked back and we've been short hair gurus from there on how'd you end up in new richmond so my career actually had taken us to the chicago area for um, three years we went there in 93 um, it was not necessarily <laughs> Clyde's ball of fire he was <laughs> not a, thinking about a, Clyde yeah, in Chicago yeah, just yeah, does not sound yeah, no. Harvey North Dakota <laughs> to Chicago <laughs> so when I had the opportunity to change my territory and live in the Twin Cities area mm-hmm. it, it just seemed like it fit more and I needed to be 45 miles from the airport mm. and I'm exactly 45 so we drew a circle mm. and said well that works um, and I had, and my boss at the time was from Hudson. Okay. And so we had a little exposure to it and we really liked the area and we needed an area that had a great vet and, and a couple of game farms just for training. Um, and so that was really how we picked it. it we picked it out of practicality hmm. and it's been a great community for us since, mm-hmm. but, and, and I, we couldn't say enough about the vet. It was probably the most important decision yeah. we made and the best decision we made wow. about picking our place. So, so you went from getting a couple of short hairs to becoming owners of sharpshooters' kennels. How, and I assume that happened when you were in New Richmond, right? It, or did it happen in Illinois? Well, mm-hmm. it started in Illinois. That's, you know, I worked for a game farm down there. And when we moved down there, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Because I used to build homes for, for a living and... and um, so she was like, well, why don't we just start, you, why don't you guide and start training some dogs? And, and that's what I did. And, um, you know, growing up on a farm and working with cattle and calves and stuff all the time, I just kind of had a niche with dogs. And so it fit. Hmm. And, um, you know, my goal one day was to train, you know, strictly national caliber, you know, invitational dogs. And um, 
that's what we did. And the, you know, Mike's, I'm a perfectionist uh, for most people that know me and I've gotten better at, you know, curing some of those issues. <laughs> but um, <laughs> is that a common trait in dog trainers being a perfectionist? I think so. Yeah, I think it depends. Um, there's some that, you know, the, the really good ones I think are hmm. um, just because they're, they're, everything's got to be just right. You know, and that dog, when you're running them in a, in a trial or a test or mm-hmm. whatever it may be, you know, they, they always train far above the standard so that if the dog even does have a bad day, it's still good enough to, to qualify. I always think of it kind of like you have so many variables with a dog. One of the variables shouldn't be you, mm-hmm. right? That's a good point. Yeah. I think a, a lot of it too is that as a trainer, the most important thing you can do is expose a dog to a, a huge variety of scenarios. Yeah. And so that if something, because weird stuff always happens in, in dog trials. Mm. Invariably, when you're judging, they, someone says, I've never seen that before. I'm like, yeah, well, it's because it's in a dog trial. And that's usually when the nerves are hit, that's when, mm-hmm. when people, you know, weird things happen. So. Maybe that's why they've been through enough of those weird things that they learned that they need to overtrain right. more than anything. And, you know, even when you're hunting, I, it's nice to have a dog that's, I mean, for us, that's the most important part. We don't train mm-hmm. for the standards of the test. We train for a dog that can really experience anything in the, in the field or in the marsh and, and yeah. handle it. Uh, one of the words that, that I've always used is um, don't, I, my, when I always tell somebody that I'm, if I'm training a dog or what kind of dogs do I like to train, I like to train what I call an elite hunting dog. Um, and then, you know, they say, well, what's an elite hunting dog? Well, an elite hunting dog is a, is a dog that's trained exceptionally well, obeys all its commands, is going to run hard, point, hold point, listen, you know, not be a complete renegade and uh, retrieve to hand. And, and an elite hunting dog can also be a versatile champion, hmm. you know, so they can do everything. So they're just a hunting dog that's trained, ex- a, a great hunting dog that's trained exceptionally well. I mean, you've all heard the term called a meat dog, you know, and mm-hmm. that's a meat dog is a dog that is always going to put game on the table. It just may not be, you know, skillful Pretty. and, uh, you know, to the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we always try and, you know, hold our dogs to a higher standard. Mm. And we expect that, too, when we're breeding dogs. You know, we're always looking to improve the breed and always looking to produce um, elite hunting dog. You know, if I'm doing a breeding, I always expect that breeding to produce versatile champions. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of our clientele is NABDA judges or what we call elite hunters that are diehards. You know, uh, we generally don't sell to weekend warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, we we tend to attract more of the guys that are going out for several days in a row. Or if um, they're going out every weekend. Yeah, and it's not, or every weekend. You know, they're not going to go out once a year. Yeah, and I shouldn't have days. said weekend warriors. More of somebody that's going to go out the first two weekends and then right. quit. They're right. done. Yeah, you know, they're still then, going out in January when yeah, it's Yeah, we, we like to put above. our dogs mm-hmm. into homes where they're going to be, you know, obviously family companions. Because, mm-hmm. granted, we live with our dogs 365 days a year. So livability for us is a big thing. And uh, we hunt with our dogs hard for two, maybe three months out of the year. And you're living with that dog the rest of your life. So, you know, trying to develop a dog that's got plenty of prey drive and uh, desire to go out and hunt all day for several days in a row, even sometimes two weeks in a row, and then get a little break and maybe hunt for another two weeks. Um, But yet be calm in the house. You need a good switch. Um, So I'm going to circle back to a lot of that, those topics, um, related to how we hunted mm-hmm. the grasslands but i'm going to circle back to it i okay. want to i want to hear the story um uh, get to matt too but um marilyn tell us how 
you you became a member of the National Board of Directors for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever? I think it was actually probably they reached out to me. Nancy Ennisfield is is our, was on the board before mm-hmm. I was, and they were. I mean, it was purposeful. They wanted to diversify and have more women involved on the board, and I think they really wanted to have someone that was representative of the dog world. Right. I've been on the NAVDA board for twenty years. This is my last year on the board, and I think they wanted someone that could help create that linkage. Maybe a dual linkage, not right. only to, to dogs, but also to women. Mm-hmm. And because I, that's one thing that NAVD has done pretty darn well mm-hmm. is really yes, it has. get linked, not necessarily specifically to women, but to families. Yeah. And that's a side effect when you bring women into the th- to the fold, you bring the family into the fold. And I think that was what they really wanted to have is, is someone that could help weave that into not every just board meetings, but the committees and, and the youth and education programs see the organization from a slightly different lens, right? Because mm-hmm. at, yeah. at that time, uh, when you came on, I want to say Nancy was on, and then Shafali, mm-hmm. and then um, um, that might have been it from, yeah. from a women's perspective yes. at that moment, right? Yes. So and if I recall correctly, you were president of NAVDA at that time, right? I probably was just finishing my presidency when I came on. Okay. Matt, you've been on the board... A long time. Yeah. Well, let's start. It, it let's wasn't always on the board, though. I was involved with organization for many, many years before I was on the board. Yeah. Go ahead and start with the Ford truck story. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, it actually, it was interesting. It started out, uh, I, it was probably the early 90s. When, when, when did you join PF? I started in 03. Okay. So it would have been probably 04, right around there, where... I put a Ford Explorer, an old beater Ford Explorer in the newspaper. This is back even before you did online. I got one phone call on this. It was a guy who called me and says, hey, what do you use this truck for? I said, well, it was my hunting vehicle. And, you know, I, he said, well, what do you hunt? I'm thinking, who is this guy? You know, what's he asking me about? And he's like, oh, you ever hunt pheasants? I'm like, why is this guy asking me all these questions? Well, it was Bob's boss, Joe Dugan, who... <laughs> Who and, he, and, he, and he, he starts asking me what I do for a living. I said, I'm a communication consultant. He goes, well, you ever, you ever do join Pheasants Forever? And I'm thinking, what's going on? Well, after about 15 minutes of talking with him, uh, I, I'm having coffee with him and Bob, and, and we're going to talk about how I might be able to offer some free consulting for, for these guys, or for an organization that you know, I knew about but didn't know a lot about. I was a, a deer hunter and a duck hunter not a pheasant hunter. And, hmm. um, and so, uh, I met Bob and Joe and, uh, learned more about the organization. And right around that time, I actually adopted a four year old lab, uh, that was with a pheasant guide, um, a lab that hadn't been treated well, but I did experience what it was like to hunt behind a dog. Hmm. And I'd never done that before. And I said, I get this. And I put the bow in the closet, got the <laughs> shotgun out. And then <laughs> since then, I've gone from that lab to my next lab, which was a fantastic dog, to the next lab, who right now is three years old, and she's really good, to uh, we adopted a knothead short hair, and now I have, uh, <laughs> now I have another short hair from Clyde and, and, and Marilyn's, not, not directly from their litters, but from their bloodlines. Uh, and so now I've got a lab and a short hair and, uh, and a whole lot, of, uh, whole lot of work to do to make sure that I, that I get them on birds, so... And you were part of the discussions even back in 2004 before Quail Forever yeah. even came, uh, you know, even before the launch, uh, yeah. you helped plan the launch. Yeah, it was one of the, one of the first projects you guys asked some help, help with mm-hmm. was how do we, you know, we're being asked uh, to take all, that great model for Pheasants Forever and apply it to Quail. 
and how do we do that in such a way that um, helps quail and also uh, and also helps organization overall so yeah that was a that was a cool project and now you look where, where quail forever is today it's mm. uh the trajectory is is fantastic and and uh both organizations work together, but both organizations also have their distinctive um, areas that they work as well. And I don't think I mentioned it, but you're you're also a Wisconsin native. Well, was, not was, also because you guys are yeah. from North, North Dakota. Dakota. Right, yeah. You live in Wisconsin. You're hey, you live in the Twin Cities. Born Wisconsin and native. born and raised born and raised in uh, southeastern Wisconsin, outside of Milwaukee. And uh, you know, I I think I I think I probably saw 10 pheasants in my life and shot at two of them. Mm-hmm. And then now it's, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, I live and breathe it. Um, pheasants, grouse, up, upland, basically. Yeah. 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 Upland. upland. So that's what we did the last couple well, of days. We did a lot of up. Yeah, <laughs> a lot, lot of up. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, this is some different, I mean, this is just crazy country. So I, I had that lab out there. I let her out of the truck and she's like, dude, where are the cattails? Mm-hmm. You know, she's just cross-eyed. There was so much ground <laughs> yeah. to cover. Right. This was, I mean, you've been to Fort Pier grasslands in this area before, but yep. really not intentionally for what we did this weekend. No, no. You know, we were, um, you know, what we were doing this weekend, um, you know, I, I, at, I learned so much just in the past 48 hours. When, when we first stepped out of the truck yesterday, I just looked at it as a big expanse of grass and figured, okay, I guess we just start walking. Mm-hmm. But talking to you and talking to Clyde and Marilyn, there is actually a habitat out there. There's a strategy when you're out there hunting. You look for specific things. There's, there's, it's not just walking. It's walking here, looking for that berry, looking for this side of the hill, looking at this wind. And I will point out that the lab got three birds today. <laughs> just want to let you know. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Matt knows he's surrounded by short hair fans. Right? I think the short hair was out, though, on the first two shots. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is true. I'm pretty pretty pumped about that new pup. She's going to be great. Yeah. So uh, tell us about the strategy because y- you learned a lot from Marilyn and Clyde today. Um, what's the strategy from your perspective? Well, so, yeah, and you're asking the probably the least experienced person Un- in our crew. Yeah, intentionally, yep. yeah. Well, um, I think first of all, obviously, you got to look at the wind because if you're not, if you've got dogs and you're not hunting into the wind or hunting the good stuff into the wind, mm-hmm. you're, you're not giving yourself the best chance. Um, you know, there, even though it's a big expanse of grass, there are hills up and down and, and, and walk. You don't walk grids. You need to walk the, the sides of hills. You need to look at where, the wind, where those birds can get out of the winds. You're going to look for food. Um, you know, they, we were pointing out these, these red berries, they look like almost like cranberries, mm-hmm. you know, but I think you call them, I buffalo, call them bear, buffalo berries, but, whether or not that's accurate, but they're but super distinctive. Um, you're looking for that near, um, some open areas. It's not just tall grass, mm-hmm. but then there's areas where they can hide as well. And, you know, it got to the point where, where, you know, by, by the end of the morning today, you know, I listening to Clyde, listening to Marilyn, listen to you. I go up oh, that, that area is going to hold birds. And sure enough, that area would hold birds. Mm-hmm. How do you do, Clyde? He was actually catching on pretty quick. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's, he's a fast learner. No, he's a natural. Uh, you know, we have to. We have to. You know, as as bird hunters, it's we've got to look at the habitat. Mm-hmm. I mean, habitat. I mean, we we talk about it with pheasants forever. Habitat is everything. Habitat mm-hmm. is part of how you get get birds. Mm-hmm. You whether you're hunting pheasants, whether you're hunting grouse, whether you're hunting quail understanding the habitat and knowing the difference between a forb and a pollinator, yeah. you know, a flower is super important. I, I often, I, I often talk about, um, you know, bass fishermen and bass anglers, 
they can sort of read structure, mm -hmm. right? And, and see submerged Without logs question. or same thing with walleye to an extent, you know, drop offs and weed lines. And if you think, take the water out of it and think of how you fish, the same thing applies to an upland. Hunter, Absolutely. Right? You, mm -hmm. You're looking for structure, line breaks, you know, drop offs. We walk some drop offs. Current. Yeah, to put a fine point on that, from the truck, it looks like a big expanse of grass. Mm -hmm. Once you get in there, there is so much diversity. And by the way, if you're hunting area where there's not diversity, go find somewhere else to hunt mm -hmm. because you're looking for diversity there. There was a point where Marilyn and I dropped into a valley. It was one of the most beautiful scenes I'd ever, you know, ever in terms of the amount of color, the purples, the yeah. yellows, the greens. And you look at that and you go, there's just, you know, there's going to be life in there. Hmm. You know, we found, we found more pheasants today than I think we've found out here in years. And the, and the prairie has changed a lot mm -hmm. from last year. And what I would tell you is if you're really a novice, if you find a lot of birds, you know that you're pheasants, you're probably in the wrong area. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we knew that. Wrong right? area for, for, for sharp tail. Yeah, because it was, it was the prairie it was healthy. They had a lot of rain this year, and they didn't graze it as much. And so the, those areas were super thick, mm -hmm. and that's where we found pheasants. And yeah. so we, we moved, right? We, we changed our path, and we went to thinner cover, and we started finding you know, sharp There tail. was some other uh, there's areas I on the one uh, group of birds that I hit I saw three sharp tail come out of it and um, one lit back down <laughs> and I went after it and knowing I, it didn't look quite like the others but it was quite a distance away and getting up there and the dog went on point and I'm like this is going to be you know what a great way to start this morning mm -hmm. and sun's coming up it was just beautiful and and this bird gets up and here it's a hen pheasant mm. you know <laughs> and I'm like you know, but they, they, they will hang together like a that. A little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it, in, in the right areas. And, and again, it's we got a couple of roosters up today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's a pretty prairie grouse. <laughs> 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 For folks that haven't ever hunted sharp tails or chickens, how, uh, th that's the biggest fear out of folks that haven't hunted prairie grouse. They're, oh, I don't want to shoot a hen pheasant. How, what, give them some tips on how to make sure they don't shoot at a hen. What, what do you look for? Well, I think sharp tail are a lot easier than chickens. Just because once you've seen a couple of them yeah. off the, uh, they, when they and get they, up. They chuckle. They make they, noise. They chuckle yeah. and, and they're whiter. Yeah. And, you, and you, I look at their feet. Yeah. I tend to look at the feet more than anything. Yeah, they tend to have a much whiter belly. Mm -hmm. um, and they do fly different. You know, they fly very differently. Mm -hmm. once, you, once you start getting, I will tell you, though, most people that we do bring out that are new, um, they always are a little gun shy initially. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so. I mean, you, as a as a hunter and a uh, you know a game preserver, you just you don't want to be shooting the wrong right. game, right? And um, so it's just it takes people a little while, but once you really start learning to pick them out, right. you know, I can tell even from a hundred yards, you know, the difference uh, between a chicken and a sharp tail. You know, the chicken generally when they get up to, you'll just hear a little flutter and yep. they, there'll be no noise. And I had one covey of, of chickens this morning and, and a covey of sharp tail, and they're they're just they both explode a little differently yeah. you know the the ch the the sharp tail you'll actually hear them chuckle before you even hear the flight and the mm -hmm. and the chickens you'll hear them just yeah they kind of announce out. themselves it's, kind of, it's mm -hmm. like thank you for letting me know you're a sharp tail chickens sometimes <laughs> make a noise when they're mm -hmm. flushing too yeah. though, they, but it's a different yeah uh it's got a different tone to it it seems like sharp tails have a higher pitch and chickens are maybe lower yeah um, they also have that football shape to them that's yes. a little different yeah. than yes. Hen yes. Yep. hens. Um, 
and they're beautiful yeah right and you sort of think about roosters and they're so so much color and so much beauty easily they're pretty birds they're Rooster, underrated but, yeah. birds but in terms of how pretty they are yeah, yeah that that you know, a sharp tail with the, the furry feet. And the spotted, right, the the spotted feathers, yep. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. a, a, the sharp tail yeah. from which the name comes. And then chickens with the square and then the barred mm-hmm. um, feathering. Yeah, it's just, I, they're beautiful. I you love it. I mean? it. It uh, it by far is my favorite hunt. I, I just, I can't say enough about sharp tail and prairie chicken hunting. It just, I could do it all year. I just, I love it. it you know, I, as much as I love pheasants, I love pheasants. Um, when I get a rough grouse, I feel like I accomplished something that day. I feel the same way about prairie grouse. Mm. It's like if I got, if I get a sharpie or if I get a, uh, a chicken, I go, all right, I, I, I hunted today. You know, you have to really work yeah, for you got to work yeah. for it and you got to shoot. Well, the dog's got to work. Well, you got to be in the right spot because you you may put up 30, 40 birds at 80 yards before you get mm-hmm. one that's in range. And mm-hmm. then you got to make a good shot on it. Well, it, and that's what I love about this style of hunting is, is, uh, it's challenging mm-hmm. and it makes me think it makes me work it's it's more it, it uh, really adds to the hunt for me um, it's more strategic because oh, yeah. i'm as i'm walking surprisingly strategic yes. you know i'm i'm looking ahead 100 200 yards and i'm picking out my cover type and i'm zigzagging i'm not a straight line hunter i'm mm-hmm. zigzagging out there i'm i'm you know watching the wind so i can hunt the lee side but actually even this morning when the wind really picked up well, that one field, we were just finding ridiculous amount of birds. They were everywhere. They were on both sides of the... Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> supposed to be telling everybody <laughs> when birds But, uh, yeah, it was just a great hunt. You know, uh, you know it's a little bit strange. You know, I grew, up, I grew up deer hunting in Wisconsin. And to me, the strategy on pheasant hunting in, in the Midwest is actually similar to deer hunting in the, in the Midwest. Where deer hunting in the Midwest, you're going to... You need to work specific pockets of cover because there's ag between them. Mm-hmm. You're going to work this woodlot. You're going to work this draw. You're going to work whatever. Pheasants are the same way. You know, you're going to hunt edge cover. Right. You, you, you know, we, you've talked about it enough on the show. The, the, when I went big game hunting out in Montana, like it's all cover. Right. There's like you, you, you literally, like I said, I was joking with that lab, about the lab. It's your cross side. There's so much cover. I feel the same way out here. You've got to, you've got to set a strategy. You can't just get out and just start walking because you're going to just literally you walk your feet off yeah yeah and get frustrated and mm -hmm. you start questioning yourselves and you're not having fun then well and the thing that that you know has helped actually help me over the years and and it allowed me to help you as well (laughs) is is uh something on my phone oh yeah yeah called onyx hunt maps yep and uh i i can't say enough about that app it's just it's fantastic and i mark everything i i record everything and and like I'm showing you guys mm-hmm. yesterday or today, mm-hmm. you know, when you came and hunted with us, I'm like, okay, this is this is what I had here last year, and this is where we hit birds. And in fact, I sent Marilyn and Matt over that one hill, and I says, I generally always will catch a covey right there on that knoll. And sure enough, you guys yep. went through the fence in 40 yards. Well, you there have. they were. <laughs> there they were. But I mark everything, and I, I you know, mark my roads. And, and I may come back the next year, and they may have had a drought, and they had mm-hmm. to graze it, and it's different. But it gives me an idea of, you know, marking the spots where I've been and where I've had good luck. And it just, it, it helps. And it also keeps you <coughs> legal grounds because well, yeah. there, exactly. there oh, yeah. are a fair number of, of private There's some sections of land yeah. in, inside the grasslands mm-hmm. that it really helps you when you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like, ooh, that yep. fence line is my border. Because we yeah. get, you know, two, two miles from the truck. 
you know, a lot of times. And, uh, you know, when we're walking fence lines, it's okay. Before we cross, you know, you look at the map and it tells you, oh, this is privately owned. We can't go there. And, you know, so you can put all your layers on there. And it just, it's very helpful about keeping right. you legal as well. So some people, this is a philosophical question. When you're picking a spot, are you doing it by eliminating a whole bunch of places and then see what's left? Or are you looking for a particular type of cover or terrain or hillside and saying, that's where I want to be. Yeah, well, they do a great job out here of managing their, their habitat. Mm-hmm. And um, so I do have my areas where I've been successful year mm-hmm. after year. Um, you know, like the field that three of us came out and limited out of, you know, I've done that a couple, two, three years <laughs> in a row. <laughs> you know, so there's those areas that people tend not to venture into mm-hmm. just because they hunt just outside their truck. They don't, yeah. they don't go deep. And, you know, so we... Um, we can mark all those spots and there's some areas that you even forget you've been and if you're back in there two miles and you may not remember how to get back that way and you have to have multiple spots because you know the cover changes year to year it does whether it's the weather or whether it's the grazing Mm -hmm. i mean this is another thing that for for those who who want to do this and this applies to to any upland hunting you got to have a sense of curiosity uh yesterday we you know you and i and 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 our buddy were having lunch and the the forest service guy drives by and what are we doing we stop him and we don't ask him some ham-handed question about where do we go find birds Mm -hmm. we ask him you know, how does grazing work? And pretty soon we're in a 20-minute conversation understanding grazing rotations. Mm-hmm. And then he's talking about you're going to find these kinds of birds in this, in, you know, at, at low height, and medium height, you're going to find this, high, you're going to find this. Well, what are we doing then that afternoon? We're right. paying attention to something we didn't know before. Having that curiosity to chat with people, you know, a guy in the truck today said, you know, just what, what kind of areas you see in the birds? Right. You know, that's that's where this comes from. It's not just don't go tell me go find me a field with birds right. in it yeah that that conversation with reuben from the forest yeah service was thanks reuben reuben yeah. reuben <laughs> i got i got a chicken because of you reuben thank you <laughs> and if i recall correctly they they kind of checkerboard the the grasslands up and consider it in sections of four mm-hmm. right in that one section they leave um completely ungrazed each year mm-hmm. and then They'll graze one section next to it early in the season, section next to that, midsummer, and then there's a section right now in that quadrant where there are cows in it right now. Mm -hmm. So if you look at that checkerboard of four squares, you have really tall cover, and particularly this year when it's... Which is going to be pheasant cover. That's going to look like pheasant cover. Mm -hmm. And and the stuff that was grazed early in the season is kind of the medium, prime, Mm -hmm. that's the stuff you want to try to find. And then the stuff where the cows are still in it, for variety of reasons, Mm -hmm. you should probably steer around. (laughs) But But you will find birds where those cows are. (laughs) It's amazing how many times those chickens are sitting on the pool or the particularly the sharpies are sitting on the pool table yeah yeah um marilyn and clyde you guys talked about coming here kind of as an annual thing how, how many years have you guys been coming to pier i'd say it's been about 10 or 12 yeah all together and what makes pier special you know it, it's interesting you know north and south dakota have this you know friendly rivalry going on um and probably have since they were switched from just dakota and for us Coming here feels really very much like coming home. Um, the people here have made have been incredibly accommodating. Mm-hmm. It's a great city. It's it is, amazing. Yeah. I, I can't say enough about how friendly everyone is and how a couple of years ago it was hotter than Haiti and we were taking a break and we came into town and I, we were 
I don't know if we were sleep. I can't remember where we were parked outside. Runnings. We were out at Runnings. And um, we're just sitting there with a dog trailer. And now a lot of people, say, they see somebody pull up with a dog trailer, and they're not necessarily fans because they think, oh, great, you're going to mm-hmm. come in and clean up and take all these birds in from you're out of town. And local farmer came up, and how you doing? And, you know, if you can't find birds, here's my number. Huh. He, 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 it's amazing. It happens every year. Yeah. I can't, you would go to a restaurant, they thank us mm-hmm. for bringing business to the community. Yeah, the they, hotels have been fantastic. It's, they ask it's, you, how you how the hunt's going, are you getting any birds? And they, they're generally concerned about your your stay in the community. And they want to make sure that you're having a good time. And they just, they welcome you. I mean, they, they thank you for coming. And, uh, you know, it's just been fantastic. It's It's always been fun to come out here. And it's not always like that. No. Yeah. And it's definitely not always like that in other states. We've, right. we've not experienced that everywhere. And hey, there's a grocery store with a gas station <laughs> and a coffee shop and a full sporting goods store in the basement that's open at 7 o'clock in the morning. There's a liquor store and a, and a, and a liquor bank store. attached to it. Too. <laughs> you know what? As far as I'm concerned... I shouldn't even gone hunting today because I could have spent the whole day there. Oh, there's a caribou there now, too. Yeah, a, yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> I, did, I bought a yogurt and a box of federal ammunition this morning. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, and yeah. your body armor. Is this, and a, and a body yeah. armor. Is, yeah. is, is this heaven? No, it's pure. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty good. You know, and sometimes we get criticized for hot spotting places, you know, and, you know, it, it really isn't a secret that the Fort Pier grasslands, one of the few places in this country where you can legitimately expect mm-hmm. when the seasons are all open, right, to shoot a sharp tail, a greater prairie chicken, and a rooster. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, hot spotting or not, it's 116,000 acres. Well, you know, the thing is, is we were, excuse me, yeah, those are- um, we were, um, Last year, we were driving around. It was really hot. So we were just checking out some new spots. You know, like you said, 116,000 acres. Man, we haven't hit all this stuff yet, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go see if we can find another new spot to add to the Onyx Hunt Maps, right? And we're kind of sitting on this corner and looking over. We're on a hilltop, right? And you can see like 15 miles out here on a hilltop. And this farmer pulls up and he says, hey, how you guys doing? Everything okay? Again, the, the community, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, no, it's, it's, you know, everything's going fine. We're just checking out some spots and... And um, I don't know how the conversation came up, something about trees. And he said, trees, they're overrated. He says, look at the scenery. He says, they block the view. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's absolutely right because the one thing that we do is we'll hunt up until a certain point to where we make sure we have enough time with a trailer full of dogs, you know, it, to come back into town and let them out on a flex lead or something like right. that. It's just we'd rather feed them and let them air out out there. So we park up on a hilltop, maybe crack a beer, and uh, just at relax the at the end of the day <laughs> and relax and feed the dogs and just watch the sunset and take mm-hmm. pictures of the sunset. And, you know, he's right, man. At the end of the day, watching the sun go down, the, the orange, the colors, it's, it's unbelievable. I and mean, we have some great pictures and photos of that. And so just relaxing at the end yeah. of the day and, and the camaraderie, just even, you know, getting to meet, know you a little better and meeting Paul and, and hunting with Matt now a little bit. I mean, it's just being out. In fact, we have a group of uh, eight other friends that are out here, three other dog trailers, and we're all meeting tonight, and we're going to sit down and around the prairie and, and uh, cook and just, you know, watch the sunset and chat about how wonderful it is. So we, we had dinner as a group together last night, yeah. and uh, I got out of the vehicle next to Matt's vehicle, and we start walking by, and there was a dog trailer from North Carolina. Mm. 
They're like, holy cow, that's a long ways. And we sat down at the table. And <laughs> what are your the buddies? accent gave it away, right? Yeah. Yeah, what are your so, so the folks that you're going to have dinner with out on the prairie, what states are they from? Um, well, Wisconsin, uh, South Dakota. and uh, But they're not originally from South Dakota. No, they're yeah. from Virginia. Huh. Yeah. And uh, um, they actually, he, his job took him out here. And, and he, he now is, lives around Aberdeen and... Dan Rosenbaum and Travis Bischoff and Clint Earp and, and, and Clint and Allison Charlie are from Frost North Carolina and, and, uh, and he's from Minnesota. Brad and Leah. I mean, it's just a, we have a great group of people yeah. that we try and meet out here every year and uh, we all hunt separately. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't go out and just, you know, because none of us like that. We love being with our dogs and buyers, you know, just a couple, two, three people going out and hunting and. Um, we all meet up at the end of the day, and it's just it's just fabulous. Uh, it's like sharing there's a, there's fishing a, stories, right? Yeah. It's, it's not about shooting and killing everything. It's <laughs> right. about just and you know, I watched was watching a show the other day, and they said it's not about the size of the trophy; it's about the size of the the um, experience. Experience, yeah. and that's what it is for yeah. us. It's an experience every year. Yeah, there's there's so much land out there, no question, and and you know. If you think about it, you know this concept of you know the lands. You know you you want to keep your spot secret. Mm-hmm. Well. It's kind of counterintuitive. You want to you want to learn from people, but you want to keep your spot secret. That's a little hypocritical, mm-hmm. you know. And it's, what I will say is, even with 116,000 acres, and you know, you you look at this huge expanse, and there's one pickup truck there. You do need to understand the strategy for hunting, not just so that you can get more birds, because so you can understand what that that those two people in that pickup truck are doing when they're out there. So you don't end up walking into them. You know, there is still courtesy when there's 116,000 acres and you know, if they're hunting into the wind, don't get upwind of them. Right. Because you're going to get, you're going to walk right into them. So, you know, there's still some awareness of what's going on around you and getting to know the people, you know, what, what, where people are heading. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And so that's a great point. And we did see other hunters out, but I don't think in the day and a half we've been here, we ever came to a spot and actually, somebody else was there, except for my buddy John Zeman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who, yeah. An, another we, we did from, chase cows off of his campsite, <laughs> yeah. so he owes us a lot. You're welcome, like, John. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so John was on the third episode of On the Wing Podcast. Uh, I knew he was out here. We just happened. He His spot is the same as one of Clyde's spots. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is his first year out here. Uh, first in a long time. Yeah. 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 yeah, but you, you, you know, in all seriousness, the, you know, we did have one situation this morning that was disappointing where we had one group work one side of this, this, this big area, one group work the other. And we were going to come back up through mm-hmm. the good stuff into the wind. And sure enough, you know, there's three pickup trucks there. Fourth got, a group showed up and they walked right straight through with the wind right through the best cover. And, you know, we can go find birds elsewhere. Mm-hmm. We did find birds elsewhere, but it, it just a little bit of awareness of what was going mm-hmm. on out of there and thinking about where, where these people, not where these people go, where were they, but where are they headed mm-hmm. and go a different direction. That can go a long way. Yeah, and guess what? Ethics. Yeah. And guess what? We're going to come back to the truck at that point. And we're going to share what we're seeing and what we're hearing as opposed to getting out of there and, you know, going to find somewhere else. Yeah. Have you guys, Marilyn and Clyde, hunted pheasants in the Pure area? We have a little bit mm-hmm. over the years. Um, we've probably we've hunted pheasants in in South Dakota quite a bit, but not as much here. Probably just because by the time it's that time of the year, we're we're usually where it's you know maybe there's more cattails or corn or something like that. But we have a little bit, and um, usually, especially if it's a nicer day. One of my favorite places to go late season. Yeah, one one of the things that 
I knew it, but I didn't know it until I started looking at the numbers. Like, when you look at South Dakota road, roadside counts, you, know, you automatically think, well, Chamberlain's probably mm-hmm. at the top, mm-hmm. right? And, and it is. Chamberlain, 4.85 birds per mile, top area of anywhere in the state right. of South Dakota. You know what number two is? It's pure. Really? Wow. Two, 2.9 birds per mile, the second highest uh, yeah. for the current roadside counts. Number three, Mitchell, 2.72. Mitchell's what a lot of folks, I think, would have thought is number two. This year, it's number three, Huron, 2.55 birds per mile. Winner, 2.35. So, so pure, 2.9 well, birds per mile. You throw in prairie chickens and sharp yeah. Well, and, and, and you throw in the, the habitat this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'll I, be a great it year. It'll be a great year for, for pheasant hunting here in Pure, yeah. no question. And there's some pretty good food here, too. There's some good there food is. here. Good there food is, here. Certainly. Little, the town has got, I mean, the town, the hotels are catering to, to hunters. Um, I saw a place down the road. They'll cook your, they'll cook your, uh, your, your, uh, your game for you. I thought, <laughs> well, I had, didn't, I had no idea. Cause I, I, I think, cause I need, cause I need someone to teach me how to cook shark tails. <laughs> I bet you, you guys have a shark tail recipe. Yeah, we do. You know, the, the thing Don't is, is overcook, overcook it. it. Yeah, it's yeah. cause of red meat, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like deer, you know, everybody overcooks it, makes it well done. And like, oh, I hate that stuff. I ain't going to eat it. And same with, we hear that all the time with sharp tail and chickens. I keep it's it just, simple. You, you got to keep it uh, just flash. Course, flash it's a, it's it a red and, meat. Yeah. Yeah. Right? For so, me, it's mm-hmm. olive oil and yep. Mccormick's uh, Montreal steak seasoning. And that's it. I, you know, I keep it really simple. Yeah. I yeah. don't throw bacon and right. a lot of people wrap it in bacon sure. and mask it. And I, I just. Yeah, I it, sear it mm-hmm. and on the grill. If, mm-hmm. if yeah. you know, in yeah. the season when pheasants are open, if you get a sharpie or a chicken and a pheasant, those are two different meals. Mm-hmm. You're not yeah. gonna, you do not want to cook those two together because yeah. that pheasant's a completely different kind of, yeah, totally different camper. approach. Yeah. Yeah. Do you train your dogs to do anything differently when you come to this big country? No, but uh, dogs adapt. They adapt, um, you know, and that's the thing about, you know, again, the elite hunting dog is we want a dog that's going to be able to adapt. Um, and so we, we, we try and uh, work off of the, the one word called versatile. Mm-hmm. And uh, versatile means that that's uh, every dog that we had out of the box today off the trailer. I could have gone down to the edge of that, that slough where all those ducks were, and I could have sat there and I could have called ducks and I could have shot ducks and they would, they would have retrieved every one of them. You know, and that's with NAVDA, you know, we're doing a lot of duck searches, a lot of retrieve of ducks and doubles and, and uh, blind retrieves. You know, like a versatile champion, they got to do a blind retrieve. They got to do a double mark retrieve with wiper birds and everything. So we're doing a, our dogs have to do as much water work as they do upland birds. So developing a, a versatile dog um, means we can take that dog out to any cover type. If I were to come over the hill, it, if Marilyn and I, when we were hunting the two dogs together, if we could have come over the hill and there would have been a bunch of cattails there, mm-hmm. they would have said, ah, oh, pheasant cover, and they would have dived right in there, and they would have tightened right up, mm-hmm. and they would, have, they would have stuck closer, and they would have tightened right up. But they get out here to this prairie, man, and they see it, and they see the hills, and they just start rolling. And um, that's what we want. We want a dog that can adapt to the cover types. And It, uh, it is amazing how well they like, – Last weekend, I was in the Boundary Waters, mm-hmm. right? Rough grouse and timber doodles, and you can yep. see 30 feet. Yes, right? right? exactly. And then this weekend, I'm, you can see for 30 <laughs> miles, <laughs> right? When I, on top of the right hill, yeah. Right? yeah. And, and the dogs just automatically they know. Adapt. Like, when you open up the hatch mm-hmm. or the kennel, and they look, and they're like, oh, 
We're hunting Sharpies today, Daz. <laughs> right? They know. Yeah, they, they do. They yeah. absolutely do know. Yeah. You, you see, well, we actually see it in when we're sometimes in Navda test. Yeah. Um, it's funny because some people come from out east. So let's say you you live in New Jersey and you you have a lot of tight cover. You don't mm-hmm. get to do a lot of training in an open field or the folks that come to our test from New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and Maine. And those dogs come to Ohio and Iowa where we have our nationals. <laughs> and all of a sudden they're they're 150 yards mm-hmm. away and they're like, where did that dog come <laughs> yeah. from? Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they do. They It's amazing. They adapt mm-hmm. so quickly. Yeah. Um, so the final question as we wrap up is I want to ask, uh, each of you, what bring, what will bring you back to Fort Pier, to Pier, to the grasslands the next time? What do you look forward to each, you know, what's, what's that thing that pulls you back? Um, before I, before I do that, I want to thank the, uh, the Pier Chamber of Commerce for having us here, for supporting Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's Mm -hmm. Habitat mission. Um, and if folks want to learn more about Sharpshooters Kennels um, and, and German Shorthairs. Yeah, the website, sharpshooterskennels.com. And I'm going to have on Matt and Marilyn talk a little bit more about the inner workings and the vision of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever in the, coming, um, in the cool. future. And we've got a podcast teed up with you and Nancy yeah, at the, uh, in October to talk about um, not all women are new hunters, so that'll <laughs> yeah. be a very fun discussion. <laughs> um, all right, so, so we'll start with Matt. This was your first, well, not your first trip. Your first, my first serious trip. First serious yeah. trip to the, to the grasslands, to Pier. Um, you know, what, what sticks out to you and what's going to bring you back? Well, I, I love walking big country getting air in the lungs, you know, seeing as far as you can see and clearing your head. Um, I learned this week that the, th- the kinds of techniques that I've applied in other hunting, paying attention to your surroundings and paying attention to what's on the ground and what's in the air and, 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 and what kind of habitat you're in, it works. It, it's the same skill set. Mm-hmm. You just and, and having a little curiosity and learning, and then applying that. And don't get discouraged. You know, you're out in this beautiful, beautiful country. You don't see any birds. Enjoy it anyway. Yeah, it's a great time. It really is. Yeah, Clyde. Um, well, for me, it's. Uh, oh, and by the way. Labs can get <laughs> sharpies. <laughs> oh, I've heard that a time or two this weekend. <laughs> well, he's surrounded, so he I, was compl- I am l- liter- I literally know what it what what it's like to to have diversity now. You, you're so <laughs> conflicted. You I have am, a lab I, I, and I a short completely. Hair. Yeah, I, I, well, I have a, I, this my new short hair. I think his so wife good. loves the short hair better. She does. <laughs> she does. She it's loves. It's just because she's the new shiny object. Yeah, she loves it so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so for me, it's um, it's very rewarding. Uh, for instance, uh, two of the first dogs I dropped on the ground today were actually clients' dogs of mine from uh, um, Texas, and um, actually put a prize one utility on both of them this year. They're qualified for the invitational next year, uh, the international test, where they can go and achieve a versatile champion. And um, dropped them both on the ground. We had pushed like 25 birds with Gracie initially, but they were just really jumpy this morning. She did a great job, handled them all, nice stop to flushes and stuff. And um, Lexi then, I ended up shooting my limit over Lexi in the in the next big long walk, you know, about two-hour walk. And just, man, she just got it done. And, 
and seeing all the work that I, I put mm. into a dog, you know, Marilyn mm. and I mm. all year, we're working on, like even my personal dogs, the last two weeks, I've just been in between, you know, in between trying to get other things done amongst the house remodel, just trying to get them exercise. So then we come up here, it is such big country and we know they're going to push over to that hilltop and this hilltop and be cast in two, 300 yards, you know, getting them in shape and then coming out here and, and watching them roll after all that work is put into them and just enjoying that hunt. Mm-hmm. For, for us, for Marilyn and I, it's about, and I can't speak for her, but I know she said it is, getting out here and like Matt said, walking this big country and watching the dogs just roll yep. and maybe catching them coming up on the crest of a hilltop and slamming point and there the sunset is either, sun is either coming up or going down and you get, the, it's just the silhouettes and everything is mm-hmm. just, it, it gives you goosebumps and it's just, you know, you you want to get up there and get a shot off so that dog can get a Marilyn had a you know a situation today maybe she doesn't even want me to tell her but you know oh, sharp, people sharp, know I, sh- I miss birds believe me sharp tails <laughs> do run they can run you know it's kind of a misconception sometimes but um tris had actually pointed and tracked this bird like six times oh, and awesome. Marilyn's like working her tail off mm-hmm. and the dog is and they're they're in there and i can like I'm like god Please, please get this bird yeah. for this dog. So <laughs> and uh, it got up hard and it swung. It took it's 30 mile an hour winds out there and it took a hard left. And and they both did a great job. And it for me, just standing there, even watching these two team up and work that it's just so rewarding. Like mm. I said, you don't have to kill the bird. It's not about that. It's not about, you know, I'm, I'm we're not bloodthirsty people. It's just we we are out here to enjoy the experience and just even watching her and her dog work and. I mean, they did their job on that. It just didn't present itself, you know, the way you hope sometimes. But just the experience is just fantastic. You know, um, I, I shot a limit today. Just letting you know, I shot a limit today. That was not the highlight of the day. The highlight of the day was when Marilyn and I walked south. Or when I was west, actually. And we got down into that draw. Oh, that was beautiful. And we stopped and we both went, look at all the colors in this draw. Hmm. And we both just stopped. We, we stopped. We pulled out our phone, phones. We started taking photos. It was absolutely like a, the mm-hmm. most beautiful picture you'd ever want to see. Mm-hmm. That was a highlight of the day. Yeah. It wasn't getting three birds. It was magic yeah, and, in the bottle. Yeah, and I even took smooth. yeah, I took pictures of dogs on point today. And I've had people with me. I was like, "Why are you taking a picture of the dog? What, what if the bird gets up? I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not about that. It's yeah. it's about you know capturing the right. experience. Marilyn. I think it's t- every year I come here, it reminds me of what's important. Hmm. Because, you know, every day of the year we get busy and, you know, work is the most important thing or mm-hmm. whatever it is, the, the moment of the day. That when I come here, A, this is a very much the country I grew up in. In North Dakota, I grew up in Rolling Hills. And it, so for me, it does feel a lot like home. And at the end, we are stewards of of our own carbon footprint and our own re- responsibility to mother nature and coming back here just reminds me of that and you wake up and you see a sunrise and you see a sunset and and to see my dogs roll mm. it's just it's a complete package it really is it's a pretty consistent theme it's mm. it's a yeah. beautiful place and it's somewhat unlike any other place in, in the ability to watch the dogs work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love rough grouse hunting, walking through a, f- a f- you know, a forest of fruity pebbles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The colors right, and right. the, st- yeah. but you don't always see your dog work, right? Yeah. Same thing, pheasant hunting. 
you, you know, that, that dog's busting cattails yeah. or tall grass, and you don't get to see in true with quail, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. <clears throat> but in this, these prairie grouse live in places where you can watch your dog work, yeah. you know, for, for hundreds of yards and see what they're doing and how they're working. And that's, yeah. that's the memory. Last year I came out here with my two dogs all by myself. Um, and my, my older pup was 11, my younger pup was 4. And I literally watched the baton get past. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. it was Rosehip Gardens. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> and you won't find that on a map, yeah, by the way. No, That's Bob's no, special no, name. No hot spotting on Rosehip <laughs> Gardens. Yeah, yeah, there's, not a, there's not a sign there, but it's, um, it's a place that you can find your own Rosehip Gardens yeah. out mm-hmm. here. Um, and, you know, create some memories that uh, will stay with you. Long, long went long beyond when a dog. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. That's so, very true. Yeah, it's a pretty special place, and uh, it's got me cracked up. <laughs> <laughs> and my dog's alive still. You sure? You sure it wasn't just because you only got one bird today? Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. I, I missed a fair number, even one for the old dog. He's rubbing the hole. Yeah. He got his limit. You uh, missed. You know, it, it was doesn't funny. happen very often. He's taking That's advantage why. of it. it. Last year was so incredible. Like. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. I had three birds. And this year I struggled. And they're they're it, tough. You know, they were tough today. I, I will windy. admit. They were. Yeah. When it's windy, it makes it tough. But it, it's, I accept it. We always accept the challenge. And yeah. And you accept when the conditions are yeah. like that. You're still out That's there hunting. a good time. That's hunting, man. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, there was one thing we didn't talk about we might want to tell people about if they haven't been here is if they haven't thought about snakes. Mm. Oh, yeah. sure. So That's a good point. it was something we probably should at least tell people about. The most important thing, if you really want to avoid snakes, is stay out of prairie dog towns. They are Mm -hmm. food for snakes. And so if you see prairie dogs, don't hunt there. Not to mention the holes wreak havoc with your dogs in the first place. And if you're on horseback, it's totally bad news for your horses. But stay out of that country. And if it's super hot, that's really, really Mm -hmm. important to stay out. And there are areas around here. And if you stop at the rangers and you talk to the station, they'll tell you where to stay away from. But be, be wise, be thinking about it. You can, Matt took the precaution to have his dad, dogs vaccinated ahead of time. You can do that. Mm-hmm. You should always have a vet, the number in your phone yep. before you go out there because. And there's a really good one here and she's, the, she's, she's 20, fantastic. She's 24 mm-hmm. seven. You can call yep. her up and she'll, she'll, she's seen it. There's yeah. barbed wire. There's all kinds of things yep. that a dog can run into when you're out here. So um, just, I just thought we should probably mention yeah, it. Yeah, it's a great point. Generally, I see maybe three snakes during a trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, you, you were pretty concerned. I was here. freaked out. Uh, I <laughs> did not want to come home and talk to my wife about it. He was so dog. freaked out. I actually came across a bull snake. Yeah. And uh, we did some snake breaking with all of my dogs and, and then his as well. And just, uh, you know, I showed him the vis- video and it eased his mind a yeah, lot big, once big he realized time. the yeah, dog didn't. Yeah. We were lucky. It was it was cool today. Yeah, cool. There yeah, were yeah. no snakes out by You, by you generally don't have to worry we, until we it hardly starts, see them. You know, it gets above 75. You don't have to worry about it. And even then, 99% of the time, most trips, we never never see any. And if you see them, we only see them on the roads by prairie dog towns or in prairie dog towns, you know. That's the the key, right? Avoid prairie dog towns, Mm -hmm. and you're probably going to eliminate 95% of the opportunity. It's it's like uh, bird hunting. We look for certain habitat. 
so stay away from, from certain, certain habitats. Habitat. Well, <laughs> and the reality is, I you know we've been hunting a day and a half, and I have not seen a prairie. Dog no, I was actually kind of surprised by that. Yeah, they're yeah. here, but there's not like around every corner. No. Again, the Onyx hunt maps. You can you can purchase the I think it was a five bucks and you can have all the prairie dog towns and so like on no my on yeah really? on my on, on I have them all located on my map and you said didn't see the little prairie dogs I did highlighted on there and if you really are interested the locals would love for you to sit around here and plink on them so you can if you want to bring a yeah. long gun with there there's lots huh. of opportunity to plink around you know mm. your your license comes with that ability and our mm. friend Ruben with the Forest Service said that there's another contingent of um, public land users that come and hunt snakes here. They do. Yeah. They hunt, they oh, hunt really? rattlers. Yeah. 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 So they do that in the summer, primarily mm-hmm. in the prairie dog towns. They typically, yeah. they're typically the, the prairie dog towns that are near roads are, have fewer snakes because of that. But mm-hmm. the ones, if you're in the oh, big, that's big great back, to know. if that's... you're in the big, big back country and you hit a prairie dog town, there's a good chance of snakes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you guys that's have a, a barbecue on the prairie to get to. Yes. It might be a little chilly, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm going to add more dollars to the Pure Chamber of Commerce tonight at a, re- at a local restaurant. So. I think we're going to hit up a Mad Mary's for a steak. Oh, tonight. there you so go. They're the best. I'm, I'm good, all about it. Good stuff. Thank you all for joining us. Absolutely. Joining was, I, had a, today, I had a wonderful guys. time. Yeah. It was, it was super it was a fun. A lot of fun. Great crew today. Yeah. A lot of fun. Well, folks, if you uh, have ever dreamed of hunting that upland trifecta, Prairie, uh, prairie grouse of uh, greater prairie chicken, sharp-tailed grouse, and pheasants. One of the best places in the country to, to check out is Pier, and you can check out the Pier Chamber of Commerce. Give them a call, drop them an email, and get you a map of some of the places to hunt around here. And like I mentioned, 2.9 birds per mile on the uh, South Dakota Game Fish and Parks roadside count for pheasants this year, so it looks to be a very good year to chase roosters in and around the greater pier area. Uh, we invite you to join Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever. We need your membership. It's what helps us create all the habitat and public access out there. And uh, you can find us at pheasantsforever.org, quailforever.org. And thank you very much for listening to this episode of On the Wing Podcast. It's hunting season, so that means we've got all kinds of episodes coming at you in the coming weeks. Be sure to look for the new episodes on the website, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you download podcasts, you can listen to On the Wing. And we'll see you in a field very soon.